Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome along to the Daily Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keaton and I'm joined this morning by a pair of Mirror Online writers for us. Mark Jones and Alex Richards coming along to spend the next 30 minutes looking ahead to the Premier League's weekend action. Uh, gentlemen, of course, there lies another exciting weekend ahead for all of us to talk about. Uh, but Mark, I'm going to come to you first because, of course, the game of the weekend is undoubtedly Man United against Liverpool. We're going to have to wait all the way until Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock for it, though, or 4.30, I should say, sorry, um, for it. You're a Liverpool fan, so I understand that. Um, and, I, and I had that caveat before I asked you this question. But it's a, it's a fixture that's really steeped in history. One of the biggest fixtures in the Premier League. One of the most fiercely contested throughout the season as well. But this feels a little bit different going into this one because Man United seem to be in a bit of, shall we say, chaos. Whereas Liverpool seem to have um, been, been going along quite nicely so far this season. Um, it's very similar, actually, to the last Old Trafford game in front of fans, which was two years ago, um, where it was quite a similar situation where Liverpool went in flying. I think they'd won every game going into it. Uh, it was about this time of the season as well. It was like eight or nine games in. And Solskjaer was, it was the first time Solskjaer was kind of coming under a bit of pressure. And he um, he really whipped up the crowd and he got them um, to kind of make, you know, almost spoiling Liverpool's day sort of thing. You know, the big, the big goals and, you know, to be the first team that, Liverpool didn't beat, and he really turned it into into that, and it worked really. They had a, a backs against the wall performance, and they went one 0 up. Um, Rashford scored, and then Liverpool um, kind of dominated it in the second half. We got an equaliser late on. Uh, Lalana, it was who got it, and and then they probably could have won it later on as well. But um, yeah, it's got that feel to it for me, um, which basically means I know what we're going to get from Man United in terms of that that attempt and and you know that um, kind of. Not spoiling, that's the wrong word, but but I think they would really kind of you know love to land one on Liverpool, wouldn't they? Because um you've you've got these questions again. We've just seen it again in the Champions League in midweek where I thought the real <laughs> the most telling thing about that was the game finished and there was all this euphoria and it goes back to Paul Scholes and he's like, Yeah, that again, you know, like it's it's just the same thing and we've seen it before and and, and can you can you really say it's achieved anything? Um, not yet. So, so no, Liverpool will go there as favourites. They're playing very well. Um, they uh, so that that game and say that what that was a one-all draw and the season just gone. So the season where there was no fans in was the first time Klopp had ever won there. So he'll want to win there in front of fans because I think um, you know a lot of those results behind closed doors. I, I think you, you know you can almost write off. I mean. That whole Man United away run thing was just nonsense for me when they're talking about this because there's there's no supporters there. So, um, so yeah, Liverpool will be favourites. They'll go there knowing that if they play to their best, they should probably get it done. But it's this fixture, and you can never quite confidently predict it. To be honest, yeah. Just continuing that thing that Mark ended on there, Alex. You know, even even in the week, a lot of pundits are saying that Man United seem to be out of form completely, not playing well. But it's that kind of thing that Solskjaer's done so well that his backs against the wall questions have been asked of him, and he somehow somehow digs out a big result and a big performance. And unfortunately for Liverpool, it looks like it might be that time coming around. I think we've said it, you know, time and time again on this podcast already this season that 
Solskjaer has this uncanny knack of when United are playing bad, when there are questions asked of him, that he does go out there and dig out the big results. But if he was to get one this weekend, that'd still probably paper over the cracks of and, and the weaknesses that Man United have at the minute, much like that late, late show against Atlanta in midweek, um, you know, kind of really all this talk about kind of perhaps saving his job and, and whatnot, but by and large, they were still quite poor for large parts of that game. Yeah, they certainly were. Um, they are a team that, quite frankly, you don't know what you're going to get from them one one week to the next. And and they're effectively a broken side. You know, you see Liverpool, you see the style of play. Liverpool have you seen Manchester City and there's a, there's a style of football there that you can see each week. You look at Chelsea and you know what sort of style of play they're going to come out with. United, you just don't get that. You know, there is no discernible style of attack. Um, it's very much just looks like here's a collection of really talented players. Let's see them do things off the cuff. And 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 defensively now, there seems to be no real set pattern. Um, for so long in these big games, we've always seen Solskjaer go with what has been termed McFred in midfield, protecting a back line. And, and Dan James has often been used, and, and he was always rather diligent in his defensive work. Well, Dan James has now gone to Leeds. He's tried to move away from this McFred partnership um, and whether that involves playing Paul Pogba there or or even just using one of them and having Pogba and Fernandez either side or having neither of them and using Matic. Um, and, and the balance doesn't quite work. I, I almost would have guaranteed you on Tuesday that he would have gone with McFred for this one. But having seen how poor a job they did against Atalanta in midweek, I'm inclined to think that he won't, that, that you'll see Matic, that you'll see Pogba, that perhaps you may see Tom, McTominay and, and, and or Fred as well. Um, to really try and shore it up. Uh, as you mentioned, numerous times before, we've had questions about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and about his team, and, and they go into a big game and you are expecting them to get done and they dig something out. Um, now, he needs to do it again, because if he doesn't, then you've got Liverpool going there this weekend and, and suddenly there is a, a, a gap forming at the top of the table. And I think, as I've, I've stated previously, Manchester United have to be title contenders this year. Just finishing third and finishing 20-odd points behind is no good to them. Um, but Mark, Mark says he doesn't want to make Liverpool big favourites for this game. I, I think you have to. Um, and, and I think if United play anything like they did in midweek, yes, they will create chances, as they did against Atalanta but they're going to give up a hell of a lot more. And Liverpool, with, with the front three that they've got at the moment, will take them to pieces. Yeah, just, just sticking with that idea of Liverpool's attack, Mark, I'm not sure if you were aware of the um, the statistic that was mentioned, I think, by Peter Crouch on BT Sport after the win on Tuesday against Atletico Madrid, but about the fact that in every away game so far this season, Liverpool have scored at least three goals. And you're looking at that Man United defence at the minute where we talk about they're lacking leadership and, and they look like they're all over the place. And you look at that Liverpool attack that's going there. Um, and you can see why Alex would make Liverpool heavy favourites. Um, but as well to, to, you know, the fact that Liverpool have got this great attack, crucially what we saw away from home against Atletico in a, in a hostile environment on Tuesday night was great resolve as well from the team. To go 2-0 up, then be pegged back to 2-2. We can talk about contentious red card, probably have already talked about contentious red card um, for Antoine Griezmann. But the fact that Liverpool were still able to kind of almost steady the ship and then go again and get the winner... Um, it shows great mental strength as well, which is something that might be needed this weekend, equally as their attacking strength for going up against potentially a weak Man United defence. Yeah, I don't think it was Liverpool's best performance in the week, but but it was it was getting the result. Um, I think it was very interesting to hear Klopp after the game talking about 
Um, I think he almost admitted, in, in, in not so many words, he almost admitted that he probably didn't pick the right team. Um, it was essentially the same team as the, the Watford game by the goalkeeper. And I think he suddenly realised, oh, hold on, a few of these players have been jetting around the world. And I think, I think uh, Cater had played a lot of football in the past sort of two or three weeks, which is unusual for him, isn't it? When you think about the amount of injuries he picks up and, and you saw with him, I mean, great goal, but then he, for me, was one of the most culpable in terms of the way that um, Atletico came back because his his sort of diligence in midfield wasn't the best. Um, going forward, yeah, they're, they're, they're in incredible form. I mean, you've only got to look at, obviously, the standout man being being Salah and and... I say it on these things all the time. I don't know why there's a debate. He is the best player in the world. I, I, I don't see anyone coming close to him at the minute. Um, and and the good thing with him, I think, is you look at his performances at the moment and it's it's a very different player than he was two, three years ago when you get in those kind of constant, oh, he's selfish or whatever, which, you know, to a degree, every single 30-goal-a-season striker has to be. But now he's he's also making those extra passes. He's also getting involved. He's also, you know, I mentioned this the other day, but if we're not talking about his two goals against City and against Watford, we're talking about his two assists for Mane in the same games, which have almost been forgotten. So, you know, you've got you've got a player like him who, when he is in the form he is in and he's playing with the clarity he is, then your attack is going to purr because you've not only got him, you've got the other players around him. And yeah, I fully expect Firmino to start this one. It's 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 a very Firmino game. He scored two there last season as well. Um, he'll sort of knit it together with the midfield and, and talking going going back on Alex's point about the United midfield there. They don't want to play against a player like Firmino who'll drop in there and make life difficult for them. And then you've got Mane over on the other side who perhaps isn't quite at his kind of you know nineteen twenty league winning best, but is is still delivering and is still good enough to make a difference. Um, so, yeah, the goal-scoring record is is something that is a difference from the last few seasons, from the league winning and the Champions League winning teams. They didn't really have that pulling away from other sides. They used to win games 1-0, didn't they, in 2-1? And that is probably ominous for everyone else because if they're doing that, um, there's a few things to tweak at the back still, um, you know, which I think will come with time. But... Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say Liverpool aren't favourites. They are, but um, my, my thing is just, it's just United will get, will whip themselves up and will try and turn this into a. I mean, you'll probably see Fergie on the pitch at some point, or he'll be doing some sort of team talk, or something, something like that will happen. But he'll be um, picking the eleven at this rate. <laughs> yeah, or he'll be, he'll be in the dressing room, or certainly, or something will happen like that. But um, no, as long as Liverpool avoid all the noise and and do their job, then of course they're favourites and they should win. Alex, Mark touched on it there about this whole Salah versus Ronaldo debate about who's the best in the world. Of course, that's going to get a lot of traction on social media over the weekend. Of course it will. You know, Salah going up against Ronaldo, what else do you expect? We all know that both of them are going to be trending by about five o'clock, if not earlier on, on Sunday afternoon whilst the game is going on. But Mark's presented the case there as to why Salah is going to potentially take away the Ballon d'Or that has been Ronaldo's and Messi's for the best part of the decade. Are you going to try and present now a case for Ronaldo and why he's still the best, or are you going to side with Mark and, and you know believe that that Salah is is now currently the best player in the world? I mean, we've had plenty of debate in the comment sections already this morning. You know, a lot of people, and it seems to be split 50-50 between Salah and Ronaldo. But but what side are you lying on, Alex? On the Lionel Messi side, <laughs> yeah, always. Um, no, uh, look, 
Ronaldo did his usual party trick in midweek of saving the team with, with a late winner, just as he did against Villarreal. Um, but I read a couple of Italian papers and one labelled his overall performance as pitiful. And I didn't think he was up to up to much um, before that header. That header was absolutely magnificent. That header was pure Ronaldo and it was pure box office. And he was obviously signed for these big moments at Manchester United and he produces these big moments. He made a career out of doing it. Uh, but what his signing has also done to Manchester United is turned them from a team that, OK, you can improve to one you have to challenge and you have to win trophies. Now, frankly, we had the early burst of, of the euphoria of his signing. We had the early goals. In the last couple of weeks, he's not really been at his best. Um, he, and, and increasingly, his, his appearance in that team is kind of a problem for United because they do look like a team that's a broken structure. Um, I think I tweeted in midweek, but they've effectively got two wingers that don't run down the wings. They've got two holding midfielders who don't pass the ball forwards. And they've got two two forward central players in him and Bruno Fernandes who don't really press or run in behind. Um, so, as I've said, it's just a collection of players who are on a pitch right now. So I don't think that when you've got Ronaldo playing in a broken structure, playing in the way he's playing, that those singular moments of winning a game like in midweek are quite enough to justify comparing him to Mo Salah at the moment, who's doing absolutely ridiculous things week in, week out. Um, he scored two of the best goals the Premier League has seen in the last five years, in the last two weeks. Um, and I don't think that's an overstatement. They are that good for Manchester City one in particular. Um and he's just absolutely on a tear right now. He's breaking club records, he's breaking Premier League records. He's creating more chances, as Mark touched on, than, than I think I've ever seen him before. He's proving to be so much more than just a goal scorer right now. And I think that is purely what Ronaldo is at this stage in his career. So I don't even think it's a comparison when we're talking about which player is more decisive, which player is the better of the two right now. Mo Salah is clear of Cristiano. Um, and that's not to denigrate Ronaldo, who has been absolutely outstanding throughout his career, who has won so many trophies, who has dragged teams to titles. Um, it's just where he's at as a 36-year-old centre-forward playing in a, in a Manchester United team that is kind of having to adapt to him. Gents, we're going to finish off this little section uh, with a quick run through of the predictions, of course, you know, because because we want to hold it somewhere so that when we do get it wrong, you know, we can go back and say, oh, this is what you actually said at the weekend. Sorry about that. Uh, but Mark, we'll come to you first. How, how do you see the game going? Um, I see it following a similar pattern to that game I mentioned earlier, where it's, where it's United coming out quite strong. But I think Liverpool are better equipped to... Um, to sort of overcome that these days. I think United will probably score, but I think Liverpool have got too much, so I'll go 3-1. Uh, and Alex, for you? I think it'll be interesting. I think I think we will learn a lot more about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and about how his team come out to this game because there's going to be a fervent atmosphere. There's going to be a, It's going to be an old Trafford packed to the rafters and, and noisy. And those fans will be expecting them to go after Liverpool from, from the outset. Um, now, if United do that, and, and make it uncomfortable very early doors, can they get that early goal that, that sets them up nicely? Um, if they can't, you expect Liverpool to calm that crowd down and to, and to go on in their class to tell. Alternatively, if Solskjaer sees the performance in midweek, realises he needs to stiffen things up, do United come out and very much play with the, the handbrake on in the first 20 minutes? I think that plays into Liverpool's hands. Um, so I think you are looking at, if United get an early goal, it becomes a tough afternoon for Liverpool. 
playing from behind and allowing United to counter-attack. But if they don't, you just have to expect Liverpool to really kick on and, and take control and, and win this game. What I actually think will happen is that Liverpool will come out fight fire with fire and quite possibly take an early lead themselves and then just go and, and, and kind of not cruise to victory, but pick off United in a way that United would have preferred to be doing to them. I think Liverpool's class just tells in the end and I think they do go there and get three points and, and really lay down a marker for where they're at in this Premier League title race. That might be the last game of the weekend, but the first game is Arsenal against Aston Villa tonight. Uh, Mark, coming back to you for this one, Arsenal and, and to be fair, Villa will both be uh, looking to improve on, you know, what were kind of by and large bad results definitely uh, last time out for them. Arsenal needing a stoppage time winner to get a point against Crystal Palace and, and Aston Villa, as, as I can see, the Wolves supporting fan on this podcast with us smiling as I mentioned the fact that they dug it out and, and got a stoppage time winner to beat Aston Villa last week. So, so both of these sides are looking to put a little bit of disappointment behind them tonight. Strange seems man, isn't it? It's a bit strange. Not seen <laughs> I don't I don't do it often, I say this. No, um <laughs> yeah, Arsenal, I watched I watched the Arsenal game. Um and I was kind of quite curious to see um what they were gonna do because I'd seen little signs of, you know, little green shoots of recovery in the last few games and I thought this game, home to Palace, you know, on a Monday night, everyone's watching. Uh, this is a chance and they started off really well. They they, you know, 10, 15 minutes, they go a goal up and they look like they had a real you started with a very attacking lineup and they looked like they had a real sense of you know knowing what they were doing and they were quite cohesive and 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 palace who've been good uh, uh you know uh, on a, uh, more than a few occasions this season didn't look as though they could live with them for a while but then they just let palace back into it and um and they i mean the second half they didn't well t- towards the end of the first half and into the second half they they just looked like they dropped off and um, I don't know. I don't know what it is with them. They, they sometimes they just look like they lack. I don't know if it's an intensity or a physicality question or what. But but you think about that period. Was it? I'm sorry, Ned, but it was like 15, 20 minutes against Spurs when they blew them away. You think about that sort of football, and that's that's what that's what the fans obviously want, and that's what the bigger teams do to, to other sides consistently. And clearly, are, they can't are they do a it. bigger team anymore? Though? No, exactly, they're not. Do we, that's, do we that's expect too much of them? That's my point. Like, like the point is that you're looking now Arsenal against Aston Villa. Are you seeing much difference between them, really? You know, in terms of their status in the league, um, should we start thinking of Arsenal more as an Aston Villa, an Everton, you know, a West Ham, uh, 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 they, as, as opposed to what we always do is we we group them in that top bracket, um, which is a shame because you know they've, they've obviously been up there for a long time, but. Um, Again, I think about it very similar to the Palace game. Is that this is a game where you know you're on telly again, everyone's watching you again. Go and do it. And I mean Villa. I mean, you know what what must have been said there this week after that. I mean that's that's quite incredible what they've done. I mean I, uh, I only saw the highlights and the goals. I mean they looked like more a couple more tries than goals really. A couple of them didn't they? But um, they forced it over the line. But um, um, it was to lose that from that position. I mean it must be devastating. And it's really undone you know what was looking like a you know pretty sort of solid ish start to the season they seem to have finally got over the Grealish thing um but this will be a tough game for tonight and again I'm just I'm looking at Arsenal I'm saying to Arsenal go on go and go and prove to us that you um you're on the right track and go and do it by winning a game like this 
Alex, the 12.30 game on Saturday sees Chelsea take on Norwich. Uh, but for me, I'll be quite interested to have a look at the, the Chelsea lineup when it is named. Um, obviously, losing Romelu Lukaku and Timo Werner in midweek. Kai Havertz looked to fill in there against Malmo and, and did pretty well in, in all truth. So he'll probably get the nod uh, for the weekend as well to lead Chelsea's line. But are they going to have to alter how they play now without Lukaku for a few weeks and without, you know, really a recognised striker? I know we can talk about Werner and... And, I, you know, they tried to play him through the middle last year, but quite frankly, he's better off the left where he was doing it for Leipzig. Why they were playing him through the middle is, is a joke. But but Chelsea do lack that that strength in depth up top. And you kind of look back to the summer when they did let Tammy Abraham go and Michy Bacharai go and Olivier Giroud go. And you kind of now think that that was a bit of a slight error. Well, that's one way of looking at it, yeah, but you can also look at it as though they're going to have to change. But what they're changing back to is a team that won the Champions League last season. And, and you put Kai Havertz as, as your, your central forward, um, a role he has filled with a plum for both Chelsea and by Leverkusen previously. You let him do that. You, you then have your position for Mason Mount playing just off him and you've got another role to fill just off him. Now, there's been issues there with Christian Pulisic not being fully fit, Hakim Ziyech. You've got Callum Hudson-Odoi. So you've got options there. Um, and I think that'll be the way that they go with Havertz, with Mounted and one other. Uh, and as we have seen with Chelsea so often, they don't go out and thrash teams, really. I know Malmo in midweek, obviously very different side of that coin where they were playing a team that were quite some rung below them. But they tend to go out and be just ruthlessly efficient, win games 1-0, 2-0, um, be defensively sound, and shut up shop and get the job done that way. Um, and I think that's that's kind of what we'll see from them again. They will play for these these key moments, hope that guys like Havertz and Mount, who is desperate to get his numbers up, I think he's been very outspoken on it, that they will be decisive. Um, and then they will back themselves not to concede. I think last weekend at Brentford is, is as poor defensively as we've seen Chelsea in, in some time. Um, they were very thankful for, for the goalkeeper on, on that occasion. But, you know, why Lukaku was playing in midweek is an issue that, you know, we could devote lots of time to. He didn't really need to be playing in that game. Um, but it's done. And, and thankfully for them, you're now playing a Norwich team who, again, just just look like they're going to be cut adrift this season. Got some talented players, but they're not quite at the level required. Um, so, in spite of the injuries, you, you you think Chelsea, yep, they'll rotate. They'll go back to something like we saw from them last season and you just fully expect them to get the job done. Mark, we've spoken about Liverpool already this morning. We spoke about Chelsea just now as well. Uh, the other team that looks to be in the title race this season is Manchester City. Um, ordinarily, a trip to Brighton on paper looks, you know, would have in previous seasons would have looked like a nice game, you know, kind of one that you're happy to have when perhaps one of your title rivals is facing a team like Man United. But... But Brighton are the team that are currently in fourth. They're the ones that are currently, you know, leading the chasing pack uh, for for the top three at least. They've improved vastly under Graham Potter this season, picking up the results that they deserve. Admittedly, you know, perhaps not played some of the big teams like some of the other teams have. But this is this is going to be much more of a test than perhaps maybe it would have been in the past couple of seasons for Man City going away to Brighton, cold down in in October at this time of year, windy as well. Um, I'm almost painting it like it's Stoke on Trent, aren't I? Um, but it, yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was down there the yeah. other week. It's a glorious part of the world. Yeah. Um, but but in terms of Man City, it's not going to be easy, the easy trip that maybe perhaps it was in seasons gone by. Until they go tune up after three minutes <laughs> and and they win. Um, I mean, like they, they could do that. That's the thing. They 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 could easily do that, and they could they could breeze to a victory. We saw it again in midweek. 
um, against the Bruges side that were being billed as someone who could trouble them because they'd drawn with PSG and I think they'd beaten Leipzig. So, um, and then 5-1, you know, it, 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 they they have the ability to do that. They have the ability to beat anyone on the day. Um, they play football at a level that very few teams can match when they're, when they're on it. I mean, I, um, I was at the game at Anfield and the, sort of second half of that first half when they absolutely just turned it up and the if the issue was they didn't have the person to finish off the chances and 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 i found that i mean liverpool in that game couldn't get out of the of the of their but they actually defended pretty well against the side that were doing what they were doing so um the i mean a game like this it, it'll it'll hinge on a first goal on it um if, if brighton were to get one and have something to cling on to then then there's an opportunity there, and like absolutely fantastic what they've done this season. But you're right; they haven't necessarily played the, the bigger sides, um, and and you'd think that once they do, they won't hang around in that top four for too much longer. Not that they expect to. Um, so, I mean, someone like Graham Potter going up against the Guardiola, he must he must enjoy it. You know, he must he must really kind of relish it. I think I'm right in saying they beat him last season towards the end of the season, didn't they? I know. It was, it was like an end of season game. It didn't really mean anything, but um, but no, they'll they'll give it a good go. I'm sure they will. But but Man City, you just expect to have too much, and and it almost doesn't matter who's playing these days, does it? Who's in those sort of front five six positions? They'll they'll chop it and they'll chop and change it. Um, whoever it is, whichever combination of of players it is, will be will be a world class one. And um, I'd expect them to win. But yeah, you're right. Probably a little bit more tougher than than. Um, you might have expected in in previous years when something's on the line, um, uh, and they'll see they'll see it as a as a as a big chance because, like you say, Liverpool or Man United or both will drop points on Sunday. So we get you, yeah, understand your point there completely. Um, it, was, it was great. It was really, yeah. good. it was really. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounded like it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, oh, it's gone now, so you're not going to have it. I think I think it'll be a really good game of association football between the two of them. It's two good teams that play and get the ball down and. Brighton carry a threat now, which they didn't have last season, I don't think. Even even though they haven't really made wholesale changes in attack, they just look that little bit more threatening. They still keep the ball really well, but there's, there's less passing for passing sake, kind of. They're a little bit more direct with their passes. So they'll give, they'll give City a decent test, but as Mark says, City are just outstanding at the moment and whatever collection of players are put out there, you would still expect them to come away with all three points. Good luck, Bryson, I think, for, for Saturday night by the sounds of it. Um, it might be with my Spurs hat on that I'm saying this, but I do find the other game on Sunday this weekend, West Ham against Spurs, slightly intriguing. I mean, West Ham are having some season in the Europa League, yet to concede a goal, three wins from three. I wish I could say the same for Spurs in the Europa Conference League. This this running order was written before uh, that debacle in, in Arnhem last night. Um with perhaps a bit more optimism, um, because I've listed it as two sides on the periphery of the top four, hopeful of good seasons. I'm not as hopeful as I was of a good season for Spurs after last night's result, I'll admit. But, Alex, it has the makings of potentially an interesting game, because these two sides would like to think they might have an opportunity that should, you know, as we've spoken about Man United and they continue to stutter for the season, there might be an opening for one of them to, to slip into the top four, potentially. Um, I think you're pushing it with that. Um, I, th- I think yeah, that's these two, off now. I think these, <laughs> these two sides, these two sides, probably not in, in that case. Um, and and I think also on the other end of the scale, Ned, you're over looking, over analysing the defeat in Holland. It was 
pretty much a second string team and keeping your key players fit for this weekend for for a more important game. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Spurs have obviously won the last two. West Ham are having another decent season. Your main men are, are back in attack for both teams. Harry Kane and Son for Spurs. Michael Antonio, sorry, Ben Rama for, for West Ham. Pablo Fornells as well. So it, it's got the makings of a really good game. I think the last couple of years, these two, whenever they've met, there have been some belting fixtures, both at the London Stadium and, and, and at Spurs. You can obviously point back to that 3-0 collapse Spurs had at home last season and Manuel Lanzini's stunning later equaliser. So I think it being really interesting. I think it'll be a good game where we can tell which direction these teams are really going in, um, and, and we'll be able to see. Spurs have got a little tricky run coming up now, and and we're going to learn a lot more about just where Nuno's taking them and and whether they are as as you would like them to be, top four contenders, or whether they're going to be around that sixth seventh place again this season. Um, and West Ham. Look, they're playing some really good stuff, but your worry is always going to be, Mikel Antonio, what happens if he picks up an injury? Because they have no other striker in that squad. Um, they, they played Jared Bowen there in Europe in, in midweek, and it just they're a little bit lacking when whenever Antonio is missing. And perfectly understandable from David Moyes that he's wrapping him up in cotton wool for these cup games and, and not risking him for them. So I think, as we say, David Moyes' team will be really well set up and really well organised and will carry more attacking threat, I would argue, than Spurs. They'll try, and, they'll try and dictate the game, I think, West Ham. I think Nuno and Spurs will be, as he always sets up his teams, hard to beat, get men behind the ball when you need to, and they will counter-attack at pace. And, and I think that is possibly where West Ham do look a little bit vulnerable at the moment. So if, if you're asking for a prediction on this one, I think it's very tough to make one, but it could be a really, a really entertaining encounter again. The other Premier League fixtures this weekend see Crystal Palace host Newcastle, Leeds host Wolves, Everton welcome Watford, Southampton take on Burnley and Brentford host Leicester. Looking through those chaps just quickly, I would say, you know, you're probably looking at Newcastle and, and Burnley who are still winless this season. Decent opportunities for them potentially to, to try and get off the mark at least. And, and they probably could both do with wins this weekend. Yeah, Newcastle could, couldn't they? Just to get that ball rolling. Um Obviously, the events of this week with uh, with Steve Bruce gone, and it just—I mean, it was it was inevitable um, that it had to happen. He was on hide to nothing as soon as as soon as the takeover went through. I found I found myself a little bit um, feeling sorry for him. I mean, you, you you read some of the stuff, and and it's just it was something that should have it should have ended a while ago, you know. And it, any any club with an owner with the salt would have would have got rid of him a while ago. Uh, but obviously, Mike Ashley was had different priorities, and, and they and they were just thinking about staying in the league, and just that whole um, sort of lack of hope that was there was was really kind of crippling, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see who they get. Um, obviously, yeah, before it's uh, they haven't got the the appointment yet, but um, but yeah, they need to win. Burnley um, I, I, on the quiet, I, you know, you just start to worry about them. You just think, can this could this be the one that were they? they they finally fall away because when you think about, it, they've had it. You know, they, they've had their own takeover, and what's happened since? What's changed? You know, like nothing's nothing's really changed, and nothing. They've not brought in the, the any real players. I know there's a lad from Leon, isn't there, Cornet? But that's that's about it. Um, there doesn't seem to be any kind of youth or or anything coming through there. So I'd be concerned for Burnley. Um, and seems to be, it seems to be a regular occurrence with Burnley, but they start seasons really slowly. 
Yeah. And, and eventually you're going to get caught. Yeah, sure, exactly. And have they got the fight to do it this time? I mean, Dice signed a new contract early in the season, which I found strange. Um, because he would be someone you'd think a Newcastle job or something like that, you know? Um, so, yeah, of the two, I'd say Burnley would give me the more cause, cause for concern because I just think Newcastle do have quality players and eventually this feel-good factor will kick in and they'll pull away. But but Burnley, um, Burnley I'm, I'm less sure of. Gents, we'll, we'll wrap it up there for this morning. Thank you so much for your time, as always. Um, looks set to be another busy weekend ahead in the Premier League. Definitely plenty of talking points. And of course, you can keep across them all, across the mirror, the Daily Star and the Daily Express, as well as reaches regional titles too. Uh, but all that leaves me to say for this morning is bye for now.